0: Welcome into a uh, solo version of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. It's Wednesday, March the 16th. Thank you for uh, making us a part of your morning. Sorry for a little bit of a late start. Had to do a little bit more show prep since I'm here by myself today. It is a uh, mailbag version of the Oxford Exxon Podcast, but we'll talk about some other stuff as well. Ole Miss loses last night in Hammond, Louisiana. We'll talk about that. A report came out yesterday that I believe to be 100% accurate that Kermit Davis will return for his fifth season at Ole Miss. We'll talk about that as well. Buzz Williams had some interesting things to say. There's some quarterback rumors uh, in the NFL. So a lot going on. We'll get to it. The NCAA tournament began last night in Dayton, continues tonight, and Dayton gets started uh, in earnest on Thursday. I will tell you that tomorrow, maybe even later today, we'll have up a uh, another podcast. I'll be talking to Chris Lee of southeastern14.com. We will uh, preview the NCAA tournament, and we'll also talk about the first weekend of SEC baseball. Ole Miss goes to Auburn, starts on Thursday night. Um, SEC baseball begins uh, Thursday and Friday around the league, so we'll talk about uh, all of those topics as well. First, one want to tell you that we're brought to you by the Oxford Exxon. Of course, every single day, the Oxford Exxon, Highway 6 West in Oxford uh, go by, fill up. Uh, check out all that they have to offer, plate lunches, everything. I don't have all the material here in front of me. Chase is on uh, vacation today. He'll be back on Friday uh, ready to cover baseball and all that stuff. Next week's going to be a really busy week for us, so I'm glad he got some time away with his family to um, kind of charge the battery because it's going get, to gonna get pretty heated next week with spring football, pro day, baseball, everything else going on. But anyway, Highway 6 West in Oxford, uh, check out all that they have in there. It's always clean. Always um, always fresh, everything at the Oxford Exxon, Highway 6 West in Oxford. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford is in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is that number. Call it, ask for Corey Clark, tell uh, Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours, right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle, you get your quote, the rest is completely up to you. You can shop that quote around. Or you can do what I do, what I recommend uh, that you do as well. And that's hop into a Clark Ford today. You will love the product. You'll love the service. 662 257 1900. Chris Lee will join me later today on a Thursday, for a Thursday Oxford Exxon podcast. He'll join on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Rafters Music and Food. Be a great place this weekend. If you're coming to Oxford, great place to um, watch the tournament, watch Old Miss Auburn. Grab a burger, grab a po' boy, appetizers, great beer selection, full bar and more rafters, music and food on the square in Oxford and also in New Albany. The uh, mailbag is brought to you each week by Whitney McNutt of Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors, serving you for all your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo. Whitney sells condos, land, commercial, and residential family homes. 662-567-2573 or 662 842 Thirty-eight forty-four to get in touch with uh, Whitney. And goodness, if you're selling real estate or buying real estate in the Oxford area these days, stuff goes on the market one day. It is is gone by the end of the day. You need a realtor. Uh, you're not going to be able to do it by yourself because realtors are going to know about things that are going on the market before they go on the market. You want to have a chance. You you've got to have a realtor you can trust. I recommend uh, Whitney McNutt of Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors. And appreciate her sponsoring the mailbag each week at rebelgrove.com. So we'll get to those questions in a little bit. Um, first, uh, Ole Miss uh, earlier this week debuted at number one, moved up to number one in uh, the Division I baseball rankings. They took that ranking to Hammond, Louisiana last night, and lost to Southeastern Louisiana 5-1 to one, that game at Alumni Field there in Hammond. Jack Washburn. Washburn took the loss. He uh, allowed a couple of runs on four hits, three walks, struck out five. Kemp Alderman got Ole Miss uh, on the board first. He hit a RBI double off the left field wall that bring bring home – bring is not a word – brought home T.J. McCants from uh, second base. They gave Ole Miss a one nothing lead. That was as long as the lead lasted, though. Uh, Southeastern Louisiana got the run back in the home half on a solo home run from Tyler Finke. Then uh, Shay Thomas came across on a wild pitch to put Southeastern Louisiana uh, ahead two to one, and uh, they held on from there. Ole Miss had some errors. Uh, Southeastern added a couple of runs in the seventh, another on a solo home run in the eighth to make it five to one. Ole Miss had some chances in the middle innings; they couldn't uh, get that big hit that uh, they needed, so they uh, they lost. Ole Miss now thirteen and three. Southeastern Louisiana, 8-9, and nine, which is an odd record for a team that now has wins over Arkansas and Ole Miss. But uh, baseball's a weird game. So, like I said earlier, Ole Miss and Auburn start on Thursday. Thursday's game on national television. Friday and Saturday's games will air on SEC Network Plus, And all can be heard on the Ole Miss radio network. So, we'll talk more about uh, baseball and stuff later in the week. I've said this for a long time. Uh, people don't like when I do this. These midweek games, I don't pay any attention to them early in the season. I don't pay attention to the teams that get super hot, like Tennessee, and frankly, I don't pay a lot of attention to the teams that get super cold, like Mississippi State. I, I just, I've done this for a long time. I know I don't cover baseball every day anymore, but I did for a long time. These, the postseason destinations for these teams are determined by what happens in the thirty conference games. That's what happens. This weekend's big. You don't want to lose in Hammond. It's not the end of the world. Any more than winning in Hammond is going to do anything for you. What Ole Miss does against Auburn matters. What Ole Miss does in the other nine SEC uh, weekends, that matters. That's what's going to determine whether you host, whether you're a national seed, whether you make the tournament, whether you're a two seed or a three seed. That's where all that stuff comes in. And, And maybe the extreme might be a team like Mississippi State that has lost uh, more than its fair share of non-league games. Those those losses could come back and haunt them from a seeding standpoint. And I don't think this will happen, for example. But let's just say Mississippi State goes 23-7 and in the league. They'll host. Simple as that. What you do in conference play is, is going to determine your postseason destination. And everybody gets hung up on rankings and such. I get it. I do. I understand. Just don't think they matter. It's cool to be ranked number one. On March the 15th, March the 16th, it doesn't matter. Big series for Ole Misses this weekend. There are some issues. That lineup uh, without Kevin Graham is not as explosive as it was with him, obviously. I think they're still adjusting to that. They're not getting some of the timely hits that you want. I think there are some concerns about defense. Uh, they've made some errors that have cost them in games, errors that didn't cost them in games because they were so far ahead. They won, a, um, they won a whole bunch of games early in the season by run rules and such where some of the mistakes that they made didn't come back to haunt them. Uh, last night was different. Last night the mistakes let the game get out of hand and let southeastern Louisiana build a big enough lead that kind of takes the, uh, the steam out of a, a potential comeback. So timely hitting is, a, is an issue. Defense is an issue. As Chase said on uh, Sunday, base running is an issue. There's some fundamental things this team has to get better, and they miss Kevin Graham. they got to get him back. They've got to figure out how to navigate these next five, six weeks without him. But um, the conference plays what matters, as someone says. And the only number one that matters is at the end in Omaha, as Hardman478 says in the chat. He's exactly right. You'd rather be ranked number one than not ranked number one right now, but I don't know that it means much. And last night's loss is not going to mean much at the end of the season if they take care of business in conference play. Simple as that. And if you don't take care of business in conference play, the loss in Hammond won't be what cost you. The losses in the SEC will. Uh, the NCAA tournament got started last night. Indiana beats Wyoming 66-58. to 58. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis led Indiana with 29 points. They beat a Wyoming team that frankly did not belong in the tournament. We'll get to that in a minute. Wyoming did not belong in the tournament. You can argue that Indiana didn't belong in the tournament, but Wyoming did not belong in the tournament. That got shown in Dayton. If you've never been to Dayton for the first four, you'll be shocked when you go at the atmosphere in that building. They absolutely buy into it, the people of Dayton do. It was an electric atmosphere a few years ago when Ole Miss played Brigham Young in the first four. I'll I'll, I'll never forget expecting a gym to be sort of dead and uh, a gym being anything but dead. It was a really cool environment. So I'm sure it was an experience for Indiana and Wyoming last night. Indiana wins. They're into the field of 64. So is Texas Southern. In a battle of 16s, Texas Southern beats Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, 76-67. to 67. So uh, they advance to play Kansas on Thursday night. So I guess congratulations, sort of, to uh, Texas Southern. Two games tonight in Dayton, Bryant, Faces right state in another battle of sixteen seeds, and then uh, a team that I don't believe belongs in the tournament, Rutgers. They face Notre Dame in a battle of elevens. Those two, uh, the two winners, will advance to uh, the SC, to NCAA tournament on uh, Friday. So, speaking of Rutgers, speaking of Notre Dame, they're both in the tournament. Texas A&M isn't. Tuesday night, Buzz Williams addressed that situation following uh, Texas A&M's NIT win over Alcorn State. I watched a lot of SEC basketball down the stretch. For whatever reason, I just found some of the races pretty interesting. I like a lot of the teams. There were several of the teams that I enjoyed watching. I enjoy watching Auburn because they're just this interesting club that has these two elite, dynamic post players in Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler, and they have this Odd, inconsistent yet explosive guard play. Auburn's one of the teams I can't wait to watch them in the tournament because I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I love watching Tennessee; they're this gritty machine that has all sorts of chemistry. They can beat you in a number of ways. Um, Kennedy Chandler really improved as the season went along. I just, I like their team. I like Rick Barnes' teams; they're so fundamentally sound. I watched a lot of uh, a lot of Arkansas. I watched a lot of Florida, knowing that there was a a lot of drama with Mike White and what was going to happen or not happen with Mike, and um, in the course of that, I watched a lot of uh, Texas A&M. And Texas A&M in the last month of the season was as good as any team in the SEC not named Tennessee, and they proved that. They won five of the last six regular season games, they... Went into the uh, SEC tournament in Tampa last week. They beat Florida on Thursday. Beat Auburn on Friday. Beat Arkansas on Saturday. Beat Auburn and and Arkansas pretty convincingly whipped Arkansas. Just wiped them off the floor. And then ran out of juice against a really good Tennessee team. And I thought for sure Texas A&M would get in the tournament. They didn't. Buzz Williams, if you haven't seen it, find it. It's on rebelgrove.com. You can find it on um, on Twitter. As well, Buzz Williams with about a seven and a half, eight-minute statement last night. It's emotional at the end. It's it's easy, and I know a lot of Ole Miss people do it because of their feelings about Ross Bjork, and I totally understand. And I like to make fun of Texas A and M and the cult and the rings on the table and all of that stuff. But everything Buzz Williams said last night is right. You cannot look at all of the metrics. You cannot look at what the NCAA says are the standards to make that tournament and not put Texas A&M over in over Rutgers or Wyoming. Maybe even Notre Dame. There's no reason Texas A&M wasn't in the tournament. 12 wins against SEC opponents. They've wins over Auburn, <coughs> excuse me, Arkansas. They have quality wins, Florida, quality wins that uh, a lot of those Big 10 teams For whatever reason, the committee appeared to be, I won't, I'll say it, biased towards the Big Ten. Rutgers, you you can't look at Rutgers' metrics and look at A&M's metrics and um, come down on the side of Rutgers, my opinion. It's certainly Buzz Williams' opinion as well. Uh, They beat Alcorn State last night in the NIT. I'm sure their hearts weren't exactly in it, but um, it's worth watching. Because what happened to Texas A&M could easily happen to Ole Miss. Ole Miss is never going to have the type of schedule, at least there's nothing, there's nothing in past history to indicate that Ole Miss is going to have the Alabama schedule, the LSU schedule that gets you in at 9-9. Nine and nine. Ole Miss has to win 11 games or more in the SEC or they have to make a run. And I just look at it and think, what would the reaction here have been had Ole Miss been 9-9, and 10-8 in the league, and beaten Florida and Auburn and Arkansas on consecutive days in the SEC tournament and then lost in the final to a very worthy Tennessee team and then not get in? People would be upset. And I get all the stuff about making fun of Ross Bjork, and as he told his story. I have no idea what Ross has said, but I know what Buzz Williams said. And when you watch him coach and then you listen to his statement, it was pretty genuine. It was from the heart. I thought it was interesting. So give it a listen because um, that could easily happen to other teams in the SEC, not named Kentucky. Frankly, not named Kentucky. It could happen to anybody else. For the league to only get six teams, and for Texas A&M – who finished Sunday with a net of around 41 to not get in while teams with nets in the late 70s got in. It was wrong. He pointed it out. He said he lost respect for the NCAA, lost respect for the people, lost respect for the process. Those are strong statements from him. And I have a lot of respect for him saying it out loud. Because here's the problem, and this is why I always I'm very critical of a lot of the national reporters who cover college basketball. They're in bed with this tournament, which means they're in bed with the people who bracket the tournament. You never hear that criticism. There's a lot of talk about, did Tennessee deserve a two-seed? Yes, first of all. There's a, that kind of They'll do those sorts of debates. But the national media, the guys who will be covering this tournament for the next three weeks, telling you that this is March, telling you that these games, this is the greatest tournament in the world, this is the best event in the world, and for the record, it is an awesome event. If you've never been, you should go. Um, If you're in journalism and you've never covered it, you need to go cover it. It's a really cool event. But the selection process is shrouded in secrecy. And it doesn't need to be. It needs to be incredibly transparent. And when you see cats like Lenardi on Sunday being asked questions and he can't answer them, and Joe Lenardi knows what happens in that room, he won't answer them. There's a reason for that. It's bizarre. It's a basketball tournament. You're not. It's not national security. You're not trying to cure a disease. It's a basketball tournament. It should be completely transparent. What it takes to get in. Coaches should know long ahead of time what it's going to take to get in, what metrics are looked at, how those metrics are determined, who's on the committee, how they got on the committee, and what they discuss when the committee meets. Those are not Difficult topics to make transparent. But the NCAA is not good at transparency. Never has been. That's why no one trusts it. And um, kudos to Buzz Williams, in my opinion, for speaking up and and saying that out loud. Uh, Free agency rolling in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers has re-upped with Green Bay. All eyes today pretty much on Deshaun Watson, the Texans quarterback, now that he's been cleared of any criminal charges, possible trade to the Falcons, the Saints, the Panthers, or even the Browns. The Browns' situation is kind of odd. Baker Mayfield yesterday, pretty odd goodbye of sorts to Cleveland on social media. Not sure what that was about. So Baker Mayfield's days in Cleveland could be over, depending on what happens with Deshaun Watson, but it does appear that there will be uh, movement there. So um, anyway, we'll get to all those topics and more. If you guys want to in the stream, feel free to ask questions. I'll I'll try to address those as well in addition To the mailbag questions, speaking of the NCAA tournament, Brothrow is hosting a March Madness Bracket Challenge, giving away $300 cash. Sign up today at brothrow.com. Earn your first bracket entry, then earn one for every friend you sign up. There's no limit to the number of brackets you can earn, so stop paying the juice and bet with your friends on Brothrow. Don't forget, Ole Miss hit five home runs over the weekend against Oral Roberts and uh, Dead Soxie. As part of that, has launched. It's out of the park sales event. It runs through uh, Sunday at midnight. Since Ole Miss hit five home runs, Dead Socksy will discount the number. Uh, they'll, they'll discount your order at uh, at DeadSocksy.com with fifty percent off. If um, all you gotta do is go to the site, hit promo code Rebel Grove. That's one word, all caps. All, one word, all caps. You get fifty percent off the best socks you'll ever put on your feet again at deadsoxy.com that deal runs through midnight on Sunday game changer patches are the only two patch system available in the market to stop hangovers before they start the warm-up patch is used before or while you drink the overtime patch is used after you've been drinking to recover while you sleep the all-natural ingredients will keep you in the game ready for the next place go to gamechangerpatch.com promo code rebelgrove20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase ACS, Automation Control Systems LLC, is owned by Clay McNutt, Baldwin, Mississippi. Established in 2013, it's a complete electrical control system solution provider and a Rockwell Automation Recognized System Integrator. ACS has a full-time dedicated emergency service and troubleshooting staff and a UL 508A panel shop. It's ACS LLC, or 662-601-4381. I was in Laman's Fine Jewelry just the other day. It's uh, 1126 North Lamar Boulevard in Oxford. Uh, they take great care of you, uh, Alan and Nancy King and their staff. Whether you're looking for engagement rings, wedding rings, fine jewelry, watches, pearls, fashion jewelry, children's jewelry, collectibles, or more, Lamons is the gold standard in fine jewelry. Visit them at com or call them at 662-234-2777. We'll be having the first uh, Troy Brown show here in the next week or so I think I think that's the plan got some uh, cool graphics and stuff set up with Troy got all that stuff ironed out over the last few days they're on spring break this week but start spring next week so he and I will visit at some point with the first one of those shows it's brought to you by Comer Heating and Air Southern Air Conditioning and Heating don't forget you want to make sure that you've got um, your cooling system ready to roll as spring gets going here soon and the last cold snap Eases is out of the area. You want to get in touch with Comer or Southern, different names, same great products and services, same people. If you live in Oxford, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer, 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, or the surrounding area, call the people at Southern, 662-429-4429. All right, so we'll get to, uh, get to some mailbag questions here. Appreciate you guys, uh, your patience with me. Flying solo, I always am struck by the people who do solo shows by themselves. I don't know how they do it every day. Requires a ton of talent and a lot of prep is what it boils down to. Uh, All right, so the question's from North Tampa Rebel. He says, I think Rippy had this one last week, but if you have $100 to spend on Ole Miss football, basketball, and baseball, how do you distribute the funds for maximum return on investment? This is pretty simple to me. Um, I, I, I spend at least 75% of those dollars on football. Maybe more. Now, if all I've got is these three sports, and I don't have to do anything with um, Olympic sports, women's sports, non-revenue sports, if I've got... 100% of a pie, and I get to spend it on those three sports, I'm spending at least 70 75% on football. And that's where I'm going to make my money. That's the ultimate gauge of success from a PR standpoint. I'm going to get the most bang for my buck. I'm going to get the most eyeballs. It's going to do the most, if I'm successful in football, it's going to do the most uh, benefit, for my athletics program, for my institution, over anything else. Now after that, and this is where my opinion probably is different from a lot of people's, and maybe not, I don't know. I always come across as anti-baseball, and I'm not. I I love the sport. Um, I've been following all the Major League Baseball free agency stuff. I watch a lot of college baseball, especially when league play starts, because uh, SEC play is pretty high-level stuff. But... If you look at the last couple of weeks and for the next couple of weeks at what you get if you're part of March Madness versus what you don't get if you're not part of March Madness, I think you have to invest in men's basketball more than you do baseball. Baseball because of a number of things. One, the championship's not played until the summer months when people are on vacation. Two, because the games are so long. And three, because there's just not as much investment over the course of the season in some of the teams and players and traditions and stuff. It doesn't really resonate nationally the way that this tournament does. Tomorrow on Thursday, when everybody tips off and everybody's got a bracket and everybody's got a bracket challenge and an office pool and all of those things, people are keeping up with games. I mean, Vermont plays Arkansas tomorrow night, for example. It's one of the hot upset picks. Vermont's a a 13, Arkansas's a a four. And everyone knows that most years, a 13 beats a four. 12s beat fives. There's a lot of people that are um, picking UAB as the 12, Andy Kennedy's team, against um, Houston, the five seed. A lot of people calling for UAB to make a run. It's not about that. My point is, is that people are talking about UAB and Vermont in March. And it's only because of the power of the tournament. And when you're not a part of that tournament, I believe you have to sit down in the room at an athletics department. You have to sit down in that room and say, hey, why are we not part of this? What are we doing? How close were we? And if you're far away, and this gets to some of the old Miss conversation because this question is going to come up in this mailbag. It's, I'll kind of touch on it here. If you're not close, and you haven't been close two of the last three years, and that's old Mrs. case, I think you have to ask why. You have to address that. You need to be a part of this tournament because of the publicity that it generates. Like you guys in the stream right now are talking about South Dakota State and Providence. And I get it. 100% get it. People in Mississippi will watch South Dakota State and Providence because it's part of this tournament, because it impacts your bracket. If that game were a regular season game, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even stop. You wouldn't even flip. You, you would flip past it so fast. You'd watch the Hallmark Channel, the Food Network before you would watch that. But eyes get glued to this. You learn people's stories. Uh, the the networks do a pretty good job with it. The way that the tournament is presented, you need to be a part of the tournament. If you're not part of the tournament. I think you have to soul-search. It's why yesterday Jeff Goodman of Stadium, he was first to report that Ole Miss is bringing uh, Kermit Davis back. It's what I'd expected. I think that's what we basically speculated. I won't say reported because I've spent the last several days trying to get something concrete. I failed to do that. Got beat on the story. I'll own it. But there was a part of me that as the days went on that wondered, if just maybe Ole Miss was reevaluating things. Because here's the thing Ole Miss is in the SEC. And I can tell you without giving names that these SEC jobs are hotter than people think they are. There's more people right now in coaching. There are established Power Five head coaches at non SEC leagues that are watching these SEC openings. They're watching Florida, South Carolina, Missouri. Mississippi State and they're gonna they would have watched Ole Miss there was interest in the Ole Miss job that's out there there's no question about I know it for an absolute fact and Ole Miss made a decision to um give Kermit Davis what I would assume is another year I don't know contract situations Uh, Ole Miss is pretty quiet about that stuff there you know the questions need to be asked I don't know whether they'll be answered Uh, Kermit Davis's contract, was it extended? Is it going to be extended? Was the buyout extended? Because it was a year ago after Ole Miss went 10 and 8 in the league, lost, uh, they won an SEC tournament game, then lost in the quarterfinals to uh, LSU in Nashville, made the NIT, lost to Louisiana Tech in the first round of the NIT. Kermit Davis's contract was apparently not only extended, but the buyout was extended and rolled out. So, according to sources, and Listen, I could be wrong on this, but the sourcing is really good. I think Kermit Davis's buyout is about three years of his base salary, which puts him at just under $9 million, which is a tremendous buyout that becomes prohibitive in an economy like the one that we're in right now at a time when you're asking for fans and alumni and boosters to give to a uh, capital campaign. You're asking people to contribute to NILs. You're asking people to buy tickets. Uh, You're asking people to do all of the things that you always ask them to do, knowing that costs are going up, the cost of travel is going up. This is not a political comment, but you may have noticed gas prices are higher, uh, inflation's going on, things are expensive, and so pocketbooks shrink up a little bit. And so then you say, hey, by the way, what do you think about $9 million to buy out a, a basketball coach? so that we can go hire a new basketball coach. And obviously that becomes prohibitive. And so it leads the question to what can Ole Miss do to get into the tournament next year? And the answer is a complete roster overhaul. This question is going to get asked later. I've said this. My criticism of Kermit Davis is not personal. I like Kermit. Been great to me. I think he's a really good coach. I don't care about his sideline antics and all that stuff. Doesn't matter. I don't think that stuff matters. My issue with Kermit Davis is that in the last year, knowing that the transfer portal was probably the way that you build a roster at Ole Miss, they signed four high school kids a year ago. Only one was uh only one really contributed. Impactful was the word I was looking for. Deshaun Ruffin was was absolutely impactful before he got hurt. And now they've added four, they've signed four. For this class, coming in, so if you keep all of those guys, and I don't think they will, I'll touch on that in a minute. If you keep all of those guys, you've got eight high school signees from a two-year span on your roster. For those that don't know, uh, Division One basketball programs get thirteen scholarships, not partial scholarships. Thirteen full scholarships. Each scholarship is a one hundred percent scholarship. So you can't manipulate your scholarships so they've got if they keep that they've got eight guys that anchor for lack of a better word the roster you if they're fortunate enough to keep Matt Morrell and different people have different opinions uh, but if they keep Matt Morrell that's nine Jamin Brakefield's back that's ten Jarkel Joyner could return Different people have different opinions there, but if he did, that's 11. And that's before you even talk about Austin Crowley, Sammy Hunter, Luis Rodriguez. So for the record, I'll tell you what I expect going into this offseason. I expect that Sammy Hunter will, will transfer. My anticipation is Austin Crowley will transfer. I don't believe Jarkel Joyner will be back. Um, I think Ole Miss will do everything it possibly can to keep Matt Morrell and they have to. I think that... Uh, at least two and maybe three of the prospects from last year's class, the one with Deshaun Ruffin, will transfer out. Um, I'm going to have to assume at this point that they'll honor all four of the scholarships of the guys that are coming in as 2022 signees. And then they're going to have a lot of room in the portal. That's going to open up, I don't know, four or five spots. And Ole Miss has to find three starters, realistically, out of the portal. you got to find a big... Need to find a stretch four. Got to find a wing who can shoot. Ty Fagan will be back, I anticipate. Um, so it's a weird roster, and they've got to address it in the transfer portal. And where that's problematic is that everybody else in the, is in the portal as well. Um, everyone else is using the portal as well. And the league's going to be better next season. Kentucky's going to be Kentucky. Um, Alabama's going to be much improved. Uh, Arkansas is going to be much improved. Auburn's still going to be talented. Uh, Texas A&M's going to be better. Tennessee's going to be very good. They've recruited at an incredibly high level. Um, The league's just tough. And so you've got got to address those issues, and now you have this thing hanging over you in the portal with – no one's going to say it out loud, but let's be real. You get one shot. Because if Ole Miss is, say, 6-12 in the league next year, 7-11 in the league next year, you can't run that back for a sixth season. Kermit, in the last two, last three seasons, has gone 6-12, and lost on the first day of the SEC tournament. It, there's a media narrative that gets spit out, and I think it's just lazy that, well, the COVID year. But Ole Miss finished its season in a traditional manner literally hours before the COVID thing canceled college basketball. Had there been no COVID, that Ole Miss team wasn't going to a postseason tournament. Then last season, uh, Ole Miss went um, 10-8 and in the league. We talked about it. They won a game, lost a game, probably came a game short. Probably get in if they beat LSU in the tournament last year on on Friday, but it's not for certain. And then this year, of course, was kind of an unmitigated disaster. And some of that was injuries, and some of that was roster construction. And the injury part's real, but if you don't acknowledge the roster construction issue, then I don't really have much desire to listen to the rest of it. And I've yet to hear, hey, this roster was poorly put together. Instead, what I've heard is repeatedly that, hey, if we don't have injuries, this is an NCAA tournament team. And I I mean this not disrespectfully, but I, I, I I don't agree with that. I don't think this was, I don't think this was an NCAA tournament team. You look at the teams in the league that didn't make the tournament: Texas A&M, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, um, Florida. Those teams had rosters that were put together better than Ole Miss's. So when Ole Miss says that Mississippi State didn't make the tournament, when Ole Miss says that, I just think no. Had you not had injuries, maybe you would have been in that grouping. Maybe you would have gone eight and ten maybe you could have gotten to nine and nine but i don't think you were an ncaa tournament team so i do think you have to look at it realistically and say this isn't this this isn't as close as we thought it was and we've got to fix it in one transformation in the portal and they don't have a lot of margin for error they've got to get the portal right they've got to get impactful players who can shoot and impactful players who can produce on the post. And if they do that with Morrell, and assuming Morrell returns and Ruffin's healthy, well, maybe from that point you move forward. Maybe that's a team that, that is explosive. That would be an incredibly good backcourt. And there's a question that we'll get to a little bit later. But anyway, that's kind of my thoughts on on that story from uh, from yesterday. All right, so uh, question number two. So I didn't finish, I'd probably go 70 football 25 basketball five baseball, if I even gave baseball anything. Chat Reb says, do you think that Will Wade will get a similar NCAA black ball that Hugh Freeze has evidently received? Also, do you think that having Mark Emmert in the room can mitigate the penalties against the football program? Let's face it, the totality uh, charges are much worse, both monetarily and ethically, than what the NCAA had against Ole Miss, including the made-up charges. Well, there's a lot there. Um, all right. First part Hugh Freeze didn't get an NCAA black ball. He's coaching at Liberty, making a bunch of money. He got an SEC black ball that, frankly, I think Greg Sankey said as long as Ole Miss had sanctions, as long as Ole Miss was still inside the sanction window, he was going to strongly discourage Hugh Freeze returning to the SEC. I think Hugh Freeze could return to the SEC now. I, I just think people look at Hugh Freeze and they dive into what happened and they're they lose the taste for it. So that's my answer there. Do I think Will Wade gets a black yeah, I think Will Wade's going to get a multi-year show calls. But Kelvin Sampson's back coaching. If you think Will Wade's completely done, I probably disagree, but I anticipate at least a three year show calls, probably more than that. Does Mark Emmert in the room help mitigate the penalties against the football program? Realistically, yes. I don't trust the NCAA. I don't think they're a um, a very ethical organization. I think the people that run it are uh, dirty. I think college athletics are dirty in large part because of the bias that happens inside the rooms in Indianapolis. So Mark Emmert in the room helps. What also helps LSU in fairness? is that LSU got ahead of the football part a little bit. They did the postseason ban on themselves in 2020, which was smart. It shouldn't count, but it did. So they got ahead of it a little bit. But here's what's interesting, is LSU worked really hard, lobbied very hard for the football portion of this to not be lumped into the same NOA with basketball. And it was. And that tells you that the NCAA is angry that they want to scalp. I said this the other day. I think the basketball program at LSU is going to get absolutely hammered, and I, I don't think the football penalties, which have never been accepted by the NCAA, I don't think those are going to stick completely. I think there's going to be more. I, I don't think the football program is going to be torn apart by the NCAA the way that maybe Ole Misses was. But I do agree with you here. The 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 money was different. The ethics laundering money through a children's hospital, for God's sake, is a lot worse of a look than Ole Miss giving Laramie Tunsell's stepfather less than $1,000. It's hard to justify those two things. It's hard to look at those two things and say, oh, those are the same. The NCAA might try to do it. LSU's going to try to do it. And LSU's job is to defend itself. But uh, I think the penalties are going to be a little bit worse than – some people thought. Orange Beach Rebs uh, linked a Larry Bird video. I watched it last night. Includes uh, Michael Jordan saying Larry Bird was an effing problem. So the question is, Um, for fun, if Larry Bird were coming out of college, what would be your draft profile of Bird coming out of college, assuming the skill set, but against today's players? Where do you think he'd be drafted in the NBA draft? What teams could utilize him or pass on him? What round look? (laughs) Larry Bird's one of a handful of people that it doesn't matter what generation they played in. Larry Bird could be in the 80s. He could play today. Larry Bird is kind of Kevin Durant. He's an elite scorer. He was a better defender than he gets credit for. Um, he could attack the basket. Larry Bird saved his right hand, played with just his left hand in an NBA game, told the team he was playing with just his left hand, and still scored 50 points. He's an elite talent. And there's only a handful of people from that era that you can say are demonstrably better than Larry Bird. It's, it's, it's like Michael Jordan. That's about it. I mean, Larry Bird's an elite player. He would be a very high lottery pick. He would play for anybody. Larry Bird at his prime. There's a tendency, I think, for us to remember Larry Bird at the end of his career. At the end of that Celtics run when his back was injured and he lost a little bit of his shape. And he had um, – the Celtics had drafted Lynn Bias to – kind of changed their athleticism to give them some youth, and then Lynn Bias passed away 72 hours later. People forget that Celtics team still went on to win a title. That was that was an elite group, and Larry Bird was the best player on that team. I think people forget, because of how great Jordan was, people forget how great Magic Johnson and Larry Bird were. I, remember, I, I wrote this the other day. I was nine years old. And um, that game came on NBC. It was Indiana State, Michigan State for the title. And it was the beginning. It was the first time that you got to see those two guys go against each other. And it was that way for the better part of 10 years. If Magic and Bird were on TV at the same time, you watched. That Lakers-Celtics thing was um, must-watch television. It rejuvenated the NBA. It set up the Jordan era. I think most guys in the NBA will tell you that Bird could play today. Bird was a stud. That, and I was a Lakers fan. I I cheered against Bird. I hated Larry Bird and Danny Ainge and Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale and Dennis Johnson and Cornbread Maxwell and those cats. But that dude was phenomenal. He did things. Those two teams, those two teams were amazing. You go back and watch those teams, the Lakers with Magic and Kareem and James Worthy and Byron Scott, Kurt Rambis, and all those guys, those those teams were, Michael Cooper, those teams were amazing teams. Those were great. ESPN did a, 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 I guess, a 30 30 on 30 about that rivalry. I want to say it was like Ice Cube narrated it. It was really good. You should watch it. Um, Yeah, Larry Bird could play today, no question. He'd be a high draft pick. The Oxford, Pec- I- Oxford Exxon Podcast brought to you by the College Corner. It's your one-stop Rebel shop, two locations in the Jackson area. Uh, in uh, Ridgeland, it's next to Fleet Feet. In Flowood, it's next to Half Shell. If you don't live in Jackson, it's okay. Go to collegecornerstore.com. Plus, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. The uh, largest selection of Rebel gear in central Mississippi. We'll have a uh, Mind on My Money tomorrow. It's brought to you by Pinnacle. Pinnacle based in Madison, Mississippi. They've got clients in more than 20 states, advisors in multiple states. At Pinnacle, investing is treated like a commodity. Decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. So regardless of your level of wealth, uh, Pinnacle would sit down with you. They'll listen to your goals, study your expenses, put forth a comprehensive, detailed financial and retirement plan built just for you. It's MyPinWealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N-Wealth.com. We're also brought to you by John Edwards, Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. John's part of Virtuoso. It's a worldwide network of travel partners that allows him to supply his clients with added values, unique benefits, simply not available to other travelers. Uh, if you're thinking about a vacation, you want to make sure it's a special trip that creates a lifetime of unique memories. So get in touch with John. Give him some parameters. Give him a budget. He will give you options. 901-494-3387 or J Edwards at Regency Travel. Net Also brought to you by OPA, Oxford's newest restaurant on the square. Uh, Euros, wraps, kebabs, redfish, lamb chops, handcrafted co- uh, cocktails, frozen libations, an amazing candlelit patio. All of that and more. 306 South Lamar Boulevard in Oxford, just south of the square courthouse. That's OPA. We're also brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan's the place to go. They've got a complete selection of New and previously owned Nissan vehicles. Great lease deals as well. It's GrenadaNissanUSA.com. And we're brought to you by Service Specialist Staffing and Recruiting Agency. They've been connecting great job opportunities to candidates since 1967. If you're on the job hunt, whether you're seeking an entry-level position or a seasoned professional, they have opportunities across the board. Whether you're in IT, engineering, dentistry, accounting, law, manufacturing, human resources, or more service specialist. Uh, their goal is to get to know you, your strengths, and to see what you're looking for in your next career move to find you the right fit. It's free for the candidate. All conversations are kept confidential, so you have nothing to lose by giving them a call six six two eight three two fifty one thirty eight to talk to Will, Sydney, or Kelsey, or check out their new and improved website at Service Specialist Ltd. dot com. All right. So we'll get back into. Um, Mailbag questions. Let's see where I left off. Yeah, Grind says in the in the thread, Bird would get posterized every night. Bird was a bad man. I don't. I just disagree. Larry Bird in his prime could play in today's NBA no problem. He he would abuse some of these nineteen year old kids coming out. That guy was vicious. All right, uh, Selena Reb says, what would be the one place that you would travel to cover Ole Miss for a regular season game? For example, would a trip to Hawaii be worth it if you could write it off? So here's the question that we have to address all the time. And that is, what's coverage going to look like starting starting this season coming up? Is everything still going to be available on Zoom to get post-game stuff? Will you have to be there? The last two seasons, obviously, because of the COVID stuff, everything was on Zoom. You didn't have to be there. There was really no incentive to travel. You you didn't need to travel. So we did the post-game show, which has become, I think, really popular, almost to the point that people demand the post-game show with the call-ins and the interactive interactivity. So the question's not, would it be worth a trip to Hawaii to write it off if you could? Because the answer to that is sure. The problem with that we face moving forward and that we've got to address. And it's one of the reasons when people like, hey, are you guys going to hire a recruiting guy? The answer to that is no, not by itself, because we're better off hiring somebody who is versatile enough to give us um, said versatility in our coverage. Because what happens if one of us has to go to the game, travel on – Friday, at the game Saturday, so you're traveling back Sunday. There aren't many of those games. I mean, realistically, most of Ole Miss's trips are pretty quick. But if that person can't be available for the post-game show, certainly not all of it because we just don't have that um, technology, so it's complicated. Would it be worth it to go to Hawaii? Sure. We go anywhere. I moved, mean, traveled. I went out to Berkeley for a game. Um, I, before COVID, I, I'd been to basically every road game, except for the one time they went to Knoxville where I was. I had the flu and I just simply couldn't go. I, I went to every game. I've been to all the SEC places that they've played. And We've always traveled to games pre-2020. Our question now is how do we get back to what we were doing and still maintain what we did over the last couple of years that, we found people liked so much and that we were frankly, we were able to monetize. And I don't, I don't, I don't know that answer. Uh, Texas via Tennessee rebels says Phil Mickelson's image argument with the PGA tour has me wondering you rebel Grove as a utilizer of the NIL opportunities. Do you own all the content that comes from said utilization? Could you create NFTs or any other types of monetization from the content you created with NIL athletes? So the first question is yes we own the content um, we market it we own it we publish it our contracts with the athletes like we have a contract with Troy Brown we have a contract with um, Mason Brooks we're working on another contract that is just literally at the one one inch line that will be done and and we own those contracts we have with with the player is essentially us and the player. It goes through a business and go through the Grove Collective on two of those, certainly. But yeah, we own the content. The honest answer to the NFT portion of, of your question is, I have absolutely no idea. Um, that's not in the contract. So I, I don't, I guess I, I, so we'd have to amend something in the contract if we were to do that. And then this is just me being honest. I don't know enough about the whole NFT thing to know how you would even go about that. But could we create any NFTs or other types of monetization from the content with the athletes? I guess we could. I would think we would have to include the athlete in that. We'd have to have his or her blessing, and we'd have to amend the contract accordingly. But I don't know that. I'm not an attorney. Um. Kyle the Haas says, does every AD in the country watch the NCAA tournament and create files on potential coaches? Do they look at it like mass interviews? They should. Uh, Yeah, I think if you are an AD, you're watching the tournament. Whether you're the AD at Kentucky or you're the AD at Colorado State or anywhere in between, yeah, I think you're watching the tournament. But you're not just watching the tournament. You're watching a lot of if you're, a, if you're Keith Carter, for example, you're watching a lot of uh, college football around the country. You're talking to your colleagues around the country. You always have a list. Because the people that you hire are uh, human. They could get sick. There could be a tragedy. They could leave. There could be a scandal. Any number of things could happen that would force you into the market for a new coach at the blink of an eye. Yeah, you you want, you want to be prepared. So to finish my statement, yeah, you're watching a lot of – if you're Keith, you're watching a lot of college basketball, uh, not just in the tournament but all season, and you're talking to people about it. You're reading about it. You are informed about it. You have a list of coaches in your proverbial desk drawer – and not only the coaches but their agents. You are doing some background on them. I would think you'd want at least ten to fifteen, maybe twenty names that you would be ready to explore at the drop of a of a pen where you could you could move forward. Is the tournament one that you look at it as a interview? Yeah, I think so. I think you watch guys in the tournament, you watch coaches, you watch young coaches, you're watching uh the, the young guy at Chattanooga. Uh, Paris, for example, uh, I would be watching Drew Valentine at, at Loyola Chicago. Just thirty years old, I love his poise. Um, you're watching guys like that and getting a feel for them, asking yourself if they would fit at your place. Maybe exploring it a little bit in agent channels a little bit to find out what they're about. Doing I would I would do a little background. I would do that in in. Every major men's sport, if I'm an AD, and then I have associates and assistants inside my building that are doing that exact same thing on Olympic sports because I only have so much time. And then I have to have those people that I trust where if something happens in volleyball or softball or rifle or gymnastics or whatever the case may be, those people are ready to give me a list of, hey, here's five people we need to talk to right now. But, yes, I would be watching the tournament like a hawk. And I'm sure Keith does. I'm sure most ADs do. Um, Walnut says, uh, Pate, I think referring to Josh Pate, had a segment on his 247 show. He's a travel food junkie, so I'll ask you, what's your favorite college town you've gone to, either covering or visiting or whatever? And um, number two, most importantly, the best food scene in a college town with at least one restaurant wreck. All right, so the first part of this I'm pretty good at because when I would go travel when I was a beat writer covering Auburn when I was a beat writer covering Ole Miss when I went to campuses I kind of checked them out. I checked out the towns because I was there by myself I was entertaining myself. I'm not as up to date on uh, best food scene in college towns because I don't don't travel that much and some of the places that uh, I've been to that I like, it's just because I've been to them Favorite college town um, that I've been to, I mean, look, I, we've been over this for a while. When I first started, one of my favorite places was Baton Rouge. Loved it. When I was covering Auburn, I always loved those trips. I liked Baton Rouge. Um, I loved games at Tiger Stadium. Um, I thought their pregame was fantastic. I liked everything about games there. And over the last, what's that been fifteen years, that opinion has changed a lot. I've gone from loving going to baton rouge to hating going to baton rouge so that's that's changed for me and i don't know whether it's baton rouge with katrina whether that's me getting older or, or whatever it is but i'm not as crazy about it anymore um i've always liked auburn i've always liked going to games there um i love acre the restaurant there i think it's one of the just most fantastic places i love it um I like games at Jordan-Hare, though I haven't been since the new setup, and uh, people tell me that I won't like it as much. So I'm almost reluctant to go because my memories as a beat writer are, are pretty pretty good. Um, obviously, I, I go to Fayetteville a lot with the girls there. I like Fayetteville. I think it has a pretty cool um, food scene in and around Dixon. Um, I like Bordino's. There's some other places there that I like. Um, I like Columbia, South Carolina a lot more than most people. Most people that I talk to tell me they think it's dirty and they don't like it. And every time I've been, I've I've, I've always enjoyed it. I've always found it to be fun. Uh, and then I'm a big fan of Lexington, Kentucky. I think that's from a food scene standpoint, just an atmosphere standpoint. I love it. I, I think Lexington's really cool. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that's the best answer in the world. I, I like I like a lot of campuses. There aren't many campuses that I just dislike. I've always enjoyed going to colleges and seeing stadiums and all that stuff. That really hasn't changed as I've gotten older. I mean, I, I spent three days in West Lafayette, Indiana, and thought it was pretty cool. By the end, so I'm I'm probably the wrong person to ask. I'm pretty easy to please there. Um, let's see, Kingfish uh, eighty six says, "Do you believe this Ole Miss basketball team was turning the corner at LSU pre and injury?" good enough to keep Kermit off the hot seat. I think the misstep Kermit made was in discussing this team fully healthy as an NCAA tournament team, I agree. That's not accurate, I agree. He says, uh, do I believe if Ruffin stays healthy throughout, Kermit's not on the hot seat. How good can Ruffin be in the league? How good can Morrell be? So, yeah, I do think they were turning a corner. There was a stretch there concluding with the LSU game, which is when Deshaun got hurt, where they had won four out of five. The only... They beat LSU that night. That was four wins in five games. The only loss was a a home loss uh, to Arkansas. I can't remember, a week earlier or something like that. Maybe it was a few days earlier. I don't remember the exact timing of it, but they lost at home to Arkansas by nine points, ten points, something like that. And that was the only loss. They, they won four out of five games. Beat Kansas State. Um, beat Florida, it seems like. I can't remember who all they played. And uh, I thought Deshaun and Matt, about Matt Morell, I thought they really played well off one another Deshaun had missed a lot of the first part of the season with the uh, hand injury he was back I thought he was beginning to really find it his stride and I thought you got to see he and Matt play well together I thought Deshaun Ruffin improved uh Luis Rodriguez's game created a um he made Luis more of a of a threat on the wing because people, Luis got a little more open looks. So, yes, do I think that they were going to win enough that maybe some of the hot seat talk would have dissipated? I do. I don't think they would have lost 9 out of 10 down the stretch, or 10 out of 11 down the stretch, which is what I think happened. I don't think that would have happened. Do I think that was an NCAA tournament team? I don't. And I I agree with you completely, uh, Kingfish. That was a mistake on Kermit's part. It's something that Kermit has said privately, though, which makes me wonder if it's something that he truly believes or if it's just kind of a propaganda point or if it's just something that he said to instill confidence in his team. And those things can be true at the same time. I don't think that was ever going to be a tournament team. Even if Robert Allen doesn't get hurt, if Deshaun never gets hurt, if Jarkel Joyner never gets hurt, I don't think that's a tournament team. Is it better than thirteen and nineteen? Absolutely. But is it an NCAA tournament team? When you look at the league and the six teams that got in, was it going to be as good as Alabama? I don't think so. As good as LSU? I don't think so. And then I, I don't think you can put it in the same conversation with the, the the four teams at the top of the league. Kentucky and Tennessee and um Auburn and Arkansas. I just I don't I don't think he was in that. That realm. How good can Deshaun Ruffin be? I think he can be really good. I do think for him to be uh, to maximize his talents. Because of his size, I think Ole Miss absolutely has to improve its shooters. I think it has to have guys on the wings that are three-point threats. um, Where teams can't just collapse on Deshaun and hit him and hit him and hit him. He's looking at two injuries from getting hit. So you you do have to, when you're considering him, you do have to ask, okay, well, is, you know, when I say tough, I don't mean mentally tough. I mean his body. How can his body handle the the pounding in this league? And so you have to do some things to minimize that. I think they have to have um, bigs who can score. I think Deshaun on a team that has weapons is a real threat. And then I love Matt Morell's game. I love everything about it. But Matt needs a point guard who can – create because the one thing Matt's game doesn't have is he's not really a guy that bring the ball up the floor and create offense. He can score off the bounce. He can uh, catch and shoot. He's physical. He's got a great body. There's a lot of things Matt can do. Matt's game benefits from having someone like Deshaun on the floor. And I think you saw that later in the year when when Deshaun went out and they were having to run Crowley or or Jarkel Joyner at the point. Well, Matt's game suffered a little bit. He's still a tremendous player. If I'm all Miss, priority one is keeping him on that roster. Uh, Salad Thunder says he's taking his family and heading to the Hill Country to visit his brother and his family. He and his wife are 10 years sober. Salad Thunder's kid is two. His brother's kids are two. What should we do? To, uh, what should we do with ourselves? Cook something exotic? What do you suggest? How do we entertain two-year-olds without drinking? Man, I don't know. My kids are old now. I mean, Carson turned 16 in October. I don't remember them being two. Um. I mean, I guess you could take them fishing or something. I I, I don't know. I don't even know where the hill country is. Good luck. That's all I can tell you. Uh, Rebnut says, which NCAA tournament team is your favorite? What teams are in your final four? Who's your overall champion? Um, I don't know. I don't know that I have a favorite. Um, there's certainly some people that I know that I'm cheering for. I think everybody knows that. Um, in the South, I mean, I if, if you told me I could pick a team, I'd pick UAB for a number of reasons. But I do think Tennessee is going to win the South as a three seed. Uh, I think a Tennessee Arizona Elite Eight game would be fantastic. Uh, in the West. I'm cheering for the two SEC teams. I'd love to see Arkansas make a run. I'd love to see Alabama make a run because I think it's good for the league. Um, I'm interested in Gonzaga because of Chet Holmgren, of course. Um, we'll be watching those games because the Thunder pick early in the draft. I'm interested in Duke, obviously the storyline with Shashevsky in his last season. Uh, I think Texas Tech is grossly underrated. I think they're dangerous. Um, there's a couple of upsets that I think are potential there: New Mexico State over Yukon in a five twelve, Vermont over Arkansas is a possibility in a four thirteen. I'm interested in Memphis as the eight, but my pick out of that is probably Gonzaga, I guess to, to 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 win it. Although there's multiple teams in that bracket that I think can beat Gonzaga. In the Midwest, it's uh, Kansas is the one. They're they're good. I don't know that I picked them. Um. I think Iowa is a very dangerous five. No jokes. Uh, South Dakota State over Providence in a 13-4 is a possibility. Iowa State over LSU in a 6-11 is a possibility. I really like Wisconsin. If you haven't watched Johnny Davis, you should. Um, Auburn is the two, is their super interesting team. Talked about them all year. What happens with Auburn late in a game, in the NCAA tournament, when their guards get tested? Can their guards make plays? Um, if they can, I think Auburn could win this this region. If they can't, Auburn could be in trouble in a Sweet 16 game. And Auburn-Wisconsin 2-3 Sweet 16 game would be a lot of fun to watch because Wisconsin's guards are special. And they would they would test Auburn's guards. And Wisconsin can lock you down defensively and take away something. So that would be a fun game to watch. And then in the east, uh, Baylor's the one. Uh, St. Mary's is a really strong five. UCLA's a dangerous four. I love Purdue. Watched them all season. They're a three. Kentucky's the two there. I like Kentucky. I kind of think Kentucky wins that region for some reason. But a Kentucky-Purdue Sweet 16 game in the 2-3 would be a lot of fun to watch. I haven't even gone far enough to pick who I think a, a champion would be. It's I like the tournament, though. I'll watch a ton of it. Uh, you guys probably would be better picking than than I would. Um, yeah, Alan says I hope we get to see Jalen Duran versus Chet and Timmy in the second round. Uh, yeah, you're referring to Jacob Tammy. Um, yeah, I do too. Duran's a guy that that people talk about in the draft. Duran, the uh, Jalen Duran from Memphis, people talk about him being the sixth pick, seventh pick in the in the draft, and they talk about Chet Holmgren going anywhere from one to three. I watched Duran in the American Conference Championship game, and he didn't. He d- kind of disappeared again, and so I, I I didn't I didn't like that. So I'm those those are the kind of games that I'm interested in watching as well. Uh, Chase Pruitt with the super chat says a few more injuries. First of all, Chase, thank you. A few more injuries, and Keith Carter will give Bianco a sympathy year, like he did Davis. Always a lot of excuses made for old Miss coaches. So it's a conversation that I'd like to have with Keith Carter. How did he factor the injuries in? Because injuries are, for, are part of sports. Guys get hurt. Um, did he view this team as an NCAA tournament team before the injuries to Robert Allen and, and Jarkel Joyner and Deshaun Ruffin? Those are questions I'd love to have answered. I don't know. Um, you know, a year ago, Ole Miss had some pitching injuries or one specific with Gunnar Hoagland that, that changed the course of their team. Tim Elko missed a bunch of time. Before he came back and and limped around on on his one leg, um, you know, how did those get viewed? But injuries happen in sports. Like, look around college baseball right now. Arkansas's lost an ace. Mississippi State's lost two pitchers. Um, Seems like LSU lost a pitcher. People are losing pitchers left and right. To those, you know, Ole Miss is. I'm not convinced that Derek Diamond's completely healthy. How does that all get factored in? I don't know the answers to that. Um, so I'd have to talk to them about whether those were excuses that were taken into consideration or not. Uh, I can tell you that we're brought to you by the Rogue. The Rogue is your destination for fine men's clothing. They sponsor the Peyton Chatney Show. We'll talk to Peyton next week uh, after Ole Miss and Auburn. Get back on a regular schedule now that spring break will be concluded by then. At the Rogue, their stylist hand-select pieces from top designers, from work to lifestyle to nightlife, that's the perfect something for everyone. At The Rogue, all the best items from Peter Millar, Martin Dingman, Jack Victor, Halsey, True Grit, and more. 4450, I-55 North in Jackson. Or at therogue.com. Don't just accept what you see, but imagine something new. Step forward and chase after a better version of yourself. Everyday Corinth Dental is helping people reinvent themselves. One smile at a time, Dr. Bubba McQueen, Dr. Ginny Beth Hendrick are devoted to restoring and enhancing the natural beauty of your smile Using conservative, state-of-the-art procedures, including Invisalign. These clear aligners are the virtually invisible way to improve your smile. So call Corinth Dental today for a no-cost digital scan of your teeth. Let them show you the way to a straighter, healthier smile. 12 months, no interest, no down payment. Financing available at CorinthDental.com. We're also brought to you by uh, Bell & Grove. Based out of Chattanooga, Daryl Oliver and Evan Dial built Bell & Grove. It's a uh, logistics provider. With more than 35 years of transportation industry experience, they specialize in domestic freight movement throughout the continental U.S. They can navigate through supply chain issues while also leaning on their partner carriers to get the most competitive rate possible for their customers. In addition, Bell & Grove can help customers design a uh, custom solution for their shipping needs. Whether your business is in need of moving a truckload, a partial shipment, or a flatbed, Bell & Grove can accommodate you. They also provide both air and ground expedited services for customers who need to move product quickly. For more information, call Daryl Oliver at 865-672-6557. Southern Traditions Farm is a 68-acre, 32-stall, upscale equestrian training and boarding facility in Canton, Mississippi. Two sand rings, a grass ring, miles of wooded trails, A lot to be offered at Southern Traditions, including horseback riding offerings from beginner lessons with trainer Susan Walt to buying your first horse and competing at nationally recognized competitions under the teachings of one of the best young professionals in the sport. Bowers Cone, Southern Traditions has high aspirations for the future. Along with owners Ben and Hillary Craddock, Southern Traditions has become one of the leading equestrian facilities in Mississippi for uh, questions or information about lessons, boarding or sales. Contact Bowers at bowerscone the number one, at gmail.com or uh, message them on uh, Facebook or Instagram at Southern Traditions Farm. All right, so hop back in to the mailbag here. uh, Deuce McAllister 22, or Deuce McCluster 22, one of my favorite names. Have you watched uh, any of Winning Time yet on HBO? I haven't. I need to. I haven't done it. Um, I'll try to do that and give you some thoughts at some point. I'm bad about keeping up with TV series. I just don't watch many. I don't watch a lot of television, honestly. Um I don't know what I do, but I don't I don't watch television. Uh Coach Nuke, my buddy says which games will get better ratings? The first night of the NIT on ESPN or the NCAA first four on True TV with baseball getting started, which all-time record would be the hardest to break? Um The NCAA will get better ratings. Even the first four, then, and I, I just—I don't think anybody watches the NIT. It's—it's it's awful. When you're in the NIT, it's just—you guys have been to it. It's depressing. The only time that the NIT has anything worthwhile is if it's a super young team that you can tell is going places, that just missed the NCAA, and they're using it as a springboard into next season. And that's just very rare. Usually it's teams that don't give a damn. There's a lot of money that can be made betting the NIT, by the way, because you can figure out what team just does not care. And if they're going up against the aforementioned team that does care, you can make some money there. Uh, G-O-R-V-E, Gore rebs I guess, 18, says, with Kermit coming back, do you expect any staff changes? Well, here's the thing. It probably need to be staff changes because if there's a knock, and there is on this team, the knock is that they don't have enough connected recruiters on the staff. Obviously, Levi Watkins is a connected recruiter, and Ole Miss can't afford to lose him. And there are some rumblings out there that there's going to be a market for Levi, and I, I don't think Kermit can lose Levi Watkins. Um. There's no sign that he's going to shake up his staff. And at this point, getting another Levi onto your staff would be very difficult because realistically, you've got one year, and that's it. And so if you hire somebody, he says, okay, well, we're going to move to Oxford, and if we don't make the tournament, I'm going to be moving again. Well, those kinds of coaches... The coaches who would take that job probably can't help you unless it's someone that's attached to a transfer portal player, which is a possibility. But in terms of going out and getting a a super connected coach who's got an established gig, who's a great recruiter to come fix your issue right now, unless you're throwing a lot of money at it, and that would be a multi-year deal, I don't know that that's realistic. So, I think Kermit's window to make that change was last year. It's probably when he should have done it, and he didn't, and obviously he believed, and I don't necessarily disagree with him. He believed that last year's team was an NCAA tournament caliber team. He believed that last year's team, if you change some of what happened at the beginning of that year with the COVID outbreak that forced them to miss some time and to shut things down, he believes that team was headed to the tournament, and he's probably right. And so I think he thought that he didn't have a problem. And meanwhile, there were people around it who looked at it and said, you're not bringing in the right type of transfer portal guys, and you're signing too many high school kids who can't help you. And that ended up being accurate. They just didn't have enough shooting, and the end of their bench didn't have enough contributors. It had too much, for lack of a better term, dead weight. I'm sure they're great kids, but they didn't help. So that's where they are today. And I don't know that now you have enough time to fix it. So now you've got your, I think you've got your current staff that you have to, you have to hang on to to Watkins and you have to hope that you can get into the portal and you can find shooters. You can find another productive big. They've had success there two years in a row with Romello white and then Nas Brooks. You've got to find another impactful player in the post. You've got to find wings who can knock shots down. You've got to convince Matt Morrell to stay. You need to keep Levi Watkins. You need to be healthy. And you need to be super efficient in the portal, bringing in people who can fill roles. That's the challenge. You've got to recruit the portal sort of the way that Eric Musselman did last season at at, uh, Arkansas, coming off of an Elite Eight where they lost a lottery pick in Moses Moody. He went into the portal and found pieces who could fill roles, a defensive guy here a shooter here, a backup guard who could be a change of pace. You've got to do those kinds of things in the portal to have success. And if they do, you can make a big bounce from where they were. And if you don't, probably going to repeat it. And if you repeat it, at this point, a lot of people are going to be angry this time next year because they're going to say that running it back another season was completely unnecessary. So it becomes a fascinating year, and – Listen, there's going to be criticism, and we're going to find out how thin-skinned some people are. Because it's not. I'm not talking about media criticism. There's going to be criticism of the way that team got put together, and they need to learn from it because these next few weeks in the transfer portal are absolutely critical for that program, for Kermit, for creating the kind of excitement among fans that get you guys to go back to games. Because if that arena next season – feels like what that arena this season felt like that's an indictment on everybody involved with this decision and that's reality um thanks to everybody for asking questions thanks to everybody for being a part of the uh, the stream again later today i'm going to tape a sec basketball sec baseball podcast with chris lee of southeastern 14 we'll bring that to you um in the in the thread i mean i should say in the stream at some point either late today early tomorrow to get you ready for the NCAA tournament and for the first week of SEC baseball. So uh, thanks to everybody for being a part of the show. Again, thanks to Whitney McNutt, Tommy Morgan, incorporated realtors for sponsoring the mailbag until uh, next time. I'm Neil McCready. Take care.